Welcome to Minute Impossible, and don't forget to check out uh, our new segment, Larry's List. That is still adorable. I will bite your head off. Welcome to Minute Impossible. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to investigate with us the movie Mission Impossible, one minute at a time. I'm Chris. I'm Jonathan. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And I'm Jonathan. And I'm Tabitha. And I'm Timmy. Let's just keep going, just like all <laughs> night. Just like just keep being it's the people. Mickey Mouse Club, man. And I'm Rick. <laughs> I'm Cubby. We're back again with Tabitha and Jonathan Carlisle and Julia and Rick Income. And uh, we're really glad you guys are back. This is the best minute of the movie. This is yes. the culmination of the movie. We're so excited. This minute begins with Krieger trying to cut off Ethan's head and ends with us looking down the tunnel at a fireball. Fireball. So, fireball. Fire. Of the, of the four minutes of action you get, this is the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sink our teeth into it. There's a lot going on in this minute. Yeah, there is. Uh, we get to see the move that Krieger was mo- going for when he pushed down on the uh, joystick. He was pushing the helicopter toward Ethan so he could cut his head off with the bl- helicopter blades, which is a baller move. Yeah. Uh, this this scene is super cool. Uh, they, he's moving closer and closer to Ethan's head. Ethan's Ethan's not even looking. It's the scariest way you could lose your face <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is to have it while your back is turned. Oh, it's like Alien, where Tom Cruise is the Ripley character and the helicopter rotor blades are the alien, just getting right up close to his face. Yeah, and like the smile and the dripping. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> Hit my microphone stand. Yeah, so the I assume that the blades are CG, but they are, uh, again, they are blowing like crazy on his face. His yeah. uh, He's got the Ripley skin. Yep. Ethan is. They have, they have Ethan, to have like hurricane level, you know, winds going here with those big, big wind machines. I mean, because it's actually pressing down his face and he's got a taut face anyway. So, I mean, when it was blowing on Jim, he looked like, I think we, I think I, I think last week I called him, he looked like a box of tissue paper. Just like, it was just like, just, <laughs> just flaps everywhere. Like, like a Lhasa Apsu or something. Just. <laughs> just <laughs> it's like watching a bag of beans yeah. just be like, just rolling oh, around. And yeah, I think his shirt is still amazingly tucked in. Yep. Yeah, most of it is. <laughs> At least yeah. some of it, yeah. You know what Ethan must use? Hmm. There are rubberized, I guess, mini belts or something like that. <laughs> you wear over your shirt, but under your pants, and the rubber of the belt against the two layers of fabric keeps the shirt tucked in. Either ah. that, or he's got like weird shirt garters. Yeah. That's always well, probably well. Truthfully, what he—I mean—in behind the scenes, what he's wearing is he's wearing a shirt that has a crotch, right? <laughs> like a onesie. That's, that's what I was suit. wondering. Because when I was in theater, that's how you kept your shirt tucked in. When you had to wear a suit, you looked cool because you're—it it was literally like a like a spandex that they sewed onto the front and the back of the shirt. It's like Spanx. Yes, for men. <laughs> Except it doesn't hold anything in. It just kind of keeps your shirt from going up. Is everything kind of like squish out to the sides or something? I mean, it's just messed up. What everything? What are you talking about, Chris? 
<laughs> if it's in your crotch area, it's that's uncomfortable. I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's big. Enough. It's not like a. It's not a string. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's if like it's a, big, it's gonna go out to one side or the other. Well, Chris, it's big. Okay. It's <laughs> got <laughs> so like three, say, th- what kind three of different things going out. <laughs> oh, this was adult theater. <laughs> I was waiting for it to turn into a porno, and it never did. Come on, people. Yeah, that's just wrong. When we talk about drag. We're talking about the idea of air drag, <laughs> not drag queens. Oh, yes. okay. Because we're talking about helicopters chasing a my, train. My first note does fit in with what Rick was talking about, not only yesterday, but this whole week. Krieger's vicious. Yeah, he's... Because yeah. his face, he just... He wants to kill him. I think he's wanted to kill him since, the be- since he met him. As someone with uh, tinnitus in one ear, how loud can that be with a helicopter blade that close to your ear? Oh, can oh you God. imagine... Oh, but the blade won't fit. That's nope. the thing. Because they're in a round tunnel. The round tunnel saved Ethan. If they were in a uh, square tunnel, I think he would have been able to cut it off. But Dang. because he has to angle up this way, well, well, maybe round would have been better. I don't know. Because he's angling up forward like he's 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 going forward with the helicopter because that's how you get a helicopter to go forward. You have to tilt tilt it and it hits the top and this is where rick again was talking about the helicopter rick was talking about the fact that the (laughs) helicopter blades they really shouldn't be hitting things a lot Mm -hmm. it's really not good for helicopters Uh, they are precisely balanced you know specifically balanced for this kind of stuff yeah again the physics of this scene are just like insane if that's the case then like if, if he was successful in cutting off ethan's head that would you think that that would throw him off a little bit? I'm sure cutting off someone's head with helicopter blades is maybe the blades don't really notice it as much, but it's like tissue paper. If Krieger had successfully cut off Ethan's head, he probably still would have crashed because he would have been too busy celebrating to yeah. fly the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I squished him. He pulls back on the joystick oh. in celebration. Yay! And then it goes right up into the ceiling. <laughs> He's sitting there. Body count one. We'll see indeed, Ethan. and it looks like it's second nine he closes his eyes like yeah he does he's given over to the fact that it's gonna happen it's like hello darkness my old friend yeah and that's when he gets that's when uh the ceiling gets nicked and uh krieger has to pull back and he's pissed and uh so that's when tom cruise or ethan turns around and he sees the skid and right when he sees the skid, he's about ready to jump on it, guys. What do we see there on the skid? What's on that other skid? Red light. Red light. Red light. Red light. Let's check. Let's check that off the list. Now we got the red light, and we have a green light. Oh, I wonder if hmm. that's going to pay off later in the minute. I hope so. Gosh, what an that's interesting strange thing foreshadowing. <laughs> now uh, it is strange. Helicopter Rick. Do do they actually have different color lights like that? Signal I'm to actually other... going to defer that question over to Julia because the red light on one side and the green light on the other side is more of a nautical thing. Yeah, I didn't oh, really Julia. ever notice that it translated to helicopters, but out on the ocean when you're going through a channel, the red light when you're returning is on your right. So it's red right returning. So when you're looking at the helicopter straight on, the red light is on your right. So I think it's red light, green light on purpose. But then I recently learned that in closed in bodies of water, lakes and whatnot, the colors are opposite. But I have not confirmed that. But I know that on the ocean, it's red, right, returning. And that's just so, okay. But on this, it's reversed. Well, because, you know, as we're about to learn, green light, red light, that's a stupid line. 
<laughs> Red light, green light. That's. But the important amazing. thing about the position of those lights is that it allows you to tell which orientation the aircraft is in from a distance. So if you look up into the sky and see green light on one side, red light on the other side, oh, you know, that helicopter is moving in this direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's moving away from you. Yeah. Okay. In that Ethan's case, it is moving right towards him. Yep. <laughs> I don't think he needs the lights to sit, to tell that, though. It's kind of dark in there, maybe. And at second, uh, at second twenty is my all-time favorite music cue. Yeah, we talked about this a little off off mic. It's the and it's almost the Back to the Future theme. Yep. And then they go into the theme song, and it's right when Ethan jumps over onto the skid, and it's the best. It really is. And it's out of nowhere. I actually have this. Uh, I, I I've been looking for music cues for this episode, some of the episodes, and this one's called Zoom. That's mm-hmm. the name of this music cue. Yep. And there's actually uh, and two. There's Zoom A and Zoom B. There is. There are two different Zooms. Yep. And again, this is the we, we talked about this last week in that I remember it simply because I used it as my temp music in my short film, and it ended up sticking as the actual music. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's my favorite it's so music. so good. It's my f- favorite music in this movie. Yeah. And I think it makes it even more dynamic because it goes from that circusy romp to, you know, it goes right into the theme. Yeah, and in this and in this minute, that music just really like ratchets up every few seconds, and it just it goes crazier and crazier, and he's hitting percussions and and strings and horns and everything just going like it's about to crash, and then it really builds up to that moment. And he looks at he looks at Jim, and then he pulls something out of his pocket, he sticks it in his mouth, and we find out it's the gum. The gum. So does Jim know about the, gu- the gum? I yes. assume so, since Jack gave it to him in the safe house. Yeah, back now, in minute like six. Yeah. What's interesting about this, this is Chekhov's gum. Yeah, Chekhov's so gum. Joke, <laughs> that joke. That joke finally pays off ninety-eight minutes later. What's great about the scene is when you see Ethan jump on there. He jumps on there very like quickly, but then they do that wide shot or the cut back and forth between him and and. Uh, Jim and Jim's holding on for like dear life on the, on his yeah end, but Ethan's like kneeling on his very coolly as he brings out that yeah gum. He's, he's holding it and he's only got his the crook of his arm and Jim's like the crook of his arm is the only thing yeah. holding him on the helicopter, whereas Jim is like please 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 don't, don't go. <laughs> I'm just a feeble old man. <laughs> but even even when 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 Ethan climbs on, he's like climbing and he looks cool doing it. It's great, you know. It, it's really a great oh. hero shot for him. Okay, so I didn't have time to go back and listen to the prior episodes where you talked about the explosive gum, but did you ever surmise what the gum tasted like? Oh, garbage. Poison. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think you would ever uh, really put it in your mouth. Chemicals. You? <laughs> I was just wondering because it would seem to me that the green side would taste like sour apple and the red side would taste like strawberry. Or cherry. Oh, I would think the green side would be like a spearmint and the red side was cinnamon. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting that you would pick that, cherry because I, I would pick a cherry better, as a gum. Uh, combination. About the gum in this, um, we never see him like get it wet or like anything. So he just puts it together and then sticks it on the window shield. It shouldn't do that, should it? If he's just putting it together, it's and then the same thing it. that it did when he was at the Akavarium restaurant. Yeah, exactly the same thing. So he took again, dry gum and threw it, and it just kind of smushed up yeah. against the glass. <laughs> now, now is it the sweat from his hands that's doing it? 
Because, I mean, that, that looks like chewed up gum. I wonder if there was a shot where he put it in his mouth, chewed it up. <laughs> but like pay- hey, for pacing reasons, they got rid of it. Do not put this in your mouth. Thank you, Julia. Yep. He was told specifically, do not chew this gum. That, that's okay, just it, lazy writing because, I mean, you don't have it where it's, it's able to stick anywhere because it's not wet or chewed up. Just- okay, what if he folded the two halves together and he indented it with his finger so it created like a little dome? So when he smashed it up against the window, it made sort of a <laughs> suction cup. Because, I mean, they love their suction cups in this movie. Well, I assume... He could have just licked one side of it, too. Yeah, that's I assume there's yeah. some kind of chemical reaction. So maybe that the initial chemical reaction just stickifies it. <laughs> Stickify. Yeah, because his hands... Well, his hands Sorry. can't be very sweaty because otherwise... You know, to wet it. Because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to jump onto the um, bar of the plane. So, yeah. And he's windblown. He's completely dry. He has completely to, I mean, dry. if anything, he needs he needs some sort of uh uh hand lotion if anything. Well, he he's like I said, he's got dry. he's got the majority of that green part in his mouth to uh as he's taking it out. So, and then and then uh the the second most famous line of this movie is uttered. He looks at uh Jim, takes the gum and takes both pieces and sticks them together and says, "Red light, green light." Now, I know he was just talking about the two things that were in front of him, which I did not think about before. He's just like, oh, crap. I just hit my own microphone. <laughs> I know. I moved my hands he's a lot so ex- in this. He's so excited. He's just hitting his microphone. Yeah, it, you know, he's like, oh, red light, green light. <laughs> he's just pointing. Okay. As iconic and memorable as this line is, mm-hmm. you know, to Phil, that, sa- that line just sounded like... Oh, yeah. They're going 180 miles an hour through a tunnel. <laughs> like he, there's no way that he can hear what Ethan is yelling. This is Point Break all over again. Also, watching <laughs> it in minute by minute, it doesn't mean anything. No. <laughs> what does red light, green light mean? He never talks about it in any way. It's like when I was watching it, like for the hundredth time, I just went, "What the hell does this mean?" <laughs> well, did anybody play the game as a kid? Red light, green light. Sure. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it means. Right. It means I can see you, I, so you're not allowed to move. It would have been funny if earlier in the movie they established that Ethan and Jim have this whole red light, green light, back and forth little game that they play where Ethan would walk into a room and Jim would point at him and say red light and then Ethan would just like freeze. <laughs> you know, establish that early on as red light, green light being something that the two of them do that represents their lifelong partnership. And then in this instance where Jim has betrayed Ethan, Ethan busts out the red light, green light, boom, explosion, exclamation point. Maybe this is something that, that Jim, uh, like any time uh, Ethan would take control of something, Jim would walk into the room and, and he would red light it. Yeah. So like, no, that's, like, that's what he did when he walked in on him and Claire. <laughs> and so, so maybe this that is, was their code names amongst the other IMFers. Here comes green light. And yeah. Red light. So this <laughs> is man Ethan's red way light of saying, coming in here. To- <laughs> Ethan's, way of, Ethan's way of saying, red light? I don't think so. Green light. Here we go. <laughs> it would have been great if it had been used in the movie at some point. <laughs> it's like him going, chicken, beef. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, look- it's just two things. And I don't, it's like, what? What yeah. are you talking about? And Jim's face oh. kind of looks that way because he doesn't have a look of fear like, oh, man, you're going to blow this up. He just keeps looking at him like he kind of 
doesn't know what's going on either. He keeps having the same look instead of one of knowing. Ethan has confounded him. Yeah. He's like, red light, green light, and? (laughs) Well, also, all Jim is hearing is... So he... He's he's just like... He's just trying to hold on to the helicopter for dear life. Okay, so... Does there exist a better catchphrase that Ethan could have used in this scene? Asta lasagna. Yeah, asta la pasta. Don't get any on you. I mean, it's here's what I think. What now in the script was there the asta lasagna, asta la pasta in the scene? It's not like it's not like uh, star of the movie Emilio Estevez actually came up with that on on the. the No, 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 I'm saying was it in this scene in the helicopter? What, Julia? Didn't Emilio Estevez use that line in the Mighty Ducks? Also lasagna, don't get any on Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the Mighty Ducks minute. I don't know. The minute ducks. What I was asking was, is, is in the original script, was that what he said when he's on the helicopter here, or did he have something else to say? Oh, no. Uh, I, w- I went through the script. Uh, this is exactly, because remember, this is, there's no, there are no words That's for right. most yeah, of this. Saying. It's just stage direction for the past, like, seven minutes. And then it does say red light, green light. He squishes the gum. He pushes it up against the window. And he jumps. Okay, so that is how it's written. Yeah, it's boring. That's why I haven't brought it up. It it's what was in the script. So I think this is another sign, just like the, all the Job stuff and all the Bible stuff. There's just they just came up with some of these catchphrases and things, not really thinking through what's going to happen. But it is one of the more memorable lines in the movie. It, the sec the first second I I I joined the uh, movies by minutes community and said I'm doing Minute Impossible. Someone wrote red light, green light. Yeah, that was the <laughs> first thing somebody wrote. And I'm like, yeah, these are my people. But it doesn't mean anything. So when Ethan jumps off and lands mm-hmm. on the roof of the train, like I know mm-hmm. he eventually slips Hood. down, but. What does he grip to to stay uh, on the roof of the train? It's going to be Jonathan's uh, tech of the app, the uh, The wiper, windshield wiper. No, like before he even gets to the windshield wiper, because he like lands on the roof and he stops for a minute. Like his hands are sticky enough to hold on to the roof before he left over from the gum before he then slides (laughs) down. He cups his hands in yeah. a suction cup shape. <laughs> he licks them. He licks them right before he jumps. And then when he he a- just makes a perfect cupping action. Like one of those Garfields that stick to a window. There, there's actually a crease on that roof top that he's reaching for with his fingertips. Uh, but he barely grabs onto it. And that's when he falls back. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And before that, we didn't even say it. The helicopter explodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> because the gum explodes. Is that what happened? Krieger dies. And so does Jim. So, so yeah. Sorry. And Jim gets crushed between between the helicopter and the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Jim doesn't die until like Jim is on there for a couple of seconds, like noticing he's going to die. It's not. <laughs> Krieger's gone. Krieger yeah. is souffle. He is hasta lasagna. He is. <laughs> he got some. He's him. everywhere. They have gotten him everywhere. But uh, at second 50, you can see the helicopter is exploding. There's a fireball. Uh, Ethan has been thrown forward in po- quite possibly the most uncomfortable position I've ever seen a human in. <laughs> his legs are like in three different 50. directions. It's what it's One of his like. legs about to kick the back of his own head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and Jim is still alive. Yeah. He's just hanging upside down there. And then when the helicopter finally comes down, he kind of bonks on the ground and... 
you think he would have been Jim. better off just letting go and falling into the ground? Probably still stayed oh, alive. Oh, just rolling? Yeah. Rolling it out? Yeah. Instead of Probably getting still dead, dragged by the helicopter? Maybe not as yeah. mangled. Yeah. Tuck and roll, tuck and roll. On on train tracks. Uh, he would have, di- have died horribly <laughs> every way. There's no way. <laughs> well, it'd be cool if that suit like puffed up like a big... Uh, <laughs> Like a big like airbag. One of those squirrel like suits, the, the flying squirrel just, suits. Yeah, yeah, just going to go. Or if he'd suction cupped his hands, he could have like stopped himself <laughs> on, the floor, on the ground. Just cupping motions, just like Spider-Man the wall. And it explodes in a giant fireball. The tunnel's on fire. Ethan is thrown easily. God, what is that? I mean, it looks like 100 feet forward it looks Again. like at least 50 feet yeah i mean it's it's a lot because also the helicopter's slowing down the second it bursts into flames it is no longer going the same speed as the no. as the train the train hasn't slowed down if anything no. it's sped up yeah mm. well, <laughs> next minute we'll get to talk about that all right now i didn't look up specifics but i remember reading somewhere that the way they achieved this shot is they had tom cruise jump in front of a giant fan Oh, that really? was spinning like in a wind tunnel, hmm. and they just spun up that wind tunnel up to like 180 miles per hour, and he just jumped into the stream of air, and that's how they had him flying through the air. Ah. So that's probably why his leg is so wonky because it literally took his leg and pushed it toward his body. Yeah, he probably didn't see that yeah. coming. That's cool. That's a good way to do it because wires would have looked dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he did some. I'm sure he did some wire work. If they had done this in Australia, there probably would have just been a stuntman next to an exploding helicopter sure. <laughs> flying onto an actual train. Yes, right. if George Miller had directed it, that's probably exactly why not. Why not do it for reals? <laughs> they didn't actually discover blue screen technology until about 2015. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so until no then, everything line. we've seen in a movie from Australia is real, right? <laughs> <laughs> that first Thor movie, all real, all real. That's what New Zealand really looks like. I've got something from the beginning of this minute that's it's not really like a story element. So, um, But when Ethan jumps onto the helicopter, uh, like the mm-hmm. frame before and the frame after, he's hanging on below the window, like where the, the wiper is. But when he jumps off, he's actually jumping off above the window. Hmm. Oh, you're, yeah. You're right. He couldn't. There's no way he could have gotten up that high. Another classic blunder by the Mission Impossible team. Call up De Palma. Yeah. Turns turn out it all it's in. all fake. <laughs> yeah, if he had jumped from where he is in like second 50, he would have been eaten up by those rotor blades as he went flying through the air. Yeah. He would have been julienned into small bits. Now they show him climbing, but he's definitely not climbing that far up. No. And, and movie, movie physics are always, you can always jump forward when something else loses momentum. Like, you can use it to push you off, and that's not how physics work. Now, there's obviously an edit here, that they, the, uh, a shot that they cut out, because he is moving up, and then he unnaturally turns around. So there's something in between there that they cut out, which is probably him crawling up that 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 window, but uh, we don't see it. Maybe it was longer, and yeah, they just cut yeah. it out for... Unfortunately, for pacing, we don't yeah. have like a director's cut of this movie. So that would been funny to kind of watch them, though. Like, you know, like, I mean, Krieger's just sitting in the helicopter, like, Trying to figure out what's going on. Well, not now. He's not. Well, not now. No, no. Well, no I guess no. he is. Yeah. But, I guess he is. But, uh, you kind know, f- just to watch Ethan just like slowly crawl up and then, you know, he's still flying at near 200 miles an hour. Just like, well, I wonder what he's doing. Oh, I still wonder what he's doing. Oh, maybe still wonder what he's doing. 
And then he does yes, it. That's, that, that's the, the joy of filmmaking. We lose uh, certain believability points when we have to uh, make pacing work. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we lost the believability that this helicopter is flying inside of this tunnel. <laughs> and the Tom Cruise could actually jump on it at, you know, 200 miles an hour. He jumps on the front and makes a funny face toward the camera, then lays there with his hands holding on to that uh, windshield wiper as the plane, sk uh, the helicopter skids along the bottom and sparks are everywhere. And, and uh, I see at minute, second 56, Jim's still attached. Gross. Yep. He's alive. <laughs> and then he's not. At second 58, he is gone from the movie. Goodbye, Jim Phelps. Mm -hmm. He is goo. He is, yeah. He just got... Call in the janitors, because they got to mop something up. He is now just paste. Yeah, they're going to just bury those uh, goggles or the uh, the suit. Uh, they're not going to bury him. <laughs> no. <laughs> he has been disavowed. This is what being disavowed really means. Yeah. You're stuck under a helicopter, and they smash you into the ground. They're going to send the train equivalent of a Zamboni through that tunnel and just... Oh, yeah. well, they probably have like a round, like a circular uh, cleaning thing, and it just kind of cleans the tunnel as it, like a corkscrew. <laughs> oh, it's like the uh, the goblin corkscrew car from Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yep, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, or a rotor rooter at your house. It's just like <laughs> a big... It's just a big twisting brush. <laughs> or they it's just gonna a be... cupping shape in the suction <laughs> I can yeah, just imagine pick, the rotor rooter this crew old at man. the end of the tunnel, and they drag Jim's body out, and they just look at the tunnel people, and they're like, oh, well, there's your problem. That's where the clogs come from. <laughs> well, you, you know the person who's cleaning That'll up? $200. The person who's cleaning up is going to find the uh, the bonds, you know, still in the outfit, the mangled outfit. So they're going to be like, oh, hide it in their pocket. <laughs> I see why. They, uh, I also like that they're from Boston. Yeah. The people who clean the tunnel are from Boston. <laughs> yep. yep. There's something wicked wrong with this thing. No wonder your tunnel doesn't work. There's an old man body in here. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, never mind the helicopter. Yeah. Say hello to your grandfather. Well, you know, Jim yeah. didn't have Jim doesn't have any family anymore, so there is no need for a funeral. You're right, because Claire's yeah, dead he too. Killed the, he killed the last of his family, and he yeah. ha he, he hey, just so you know, my parents are still alive. What? <laughs> Seriously, Jim? Yeah, his dad's no. played by Sean Connery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He would act the pants off that guy in that movie. Yes, he would. I, I'm sure Dustin Hoffman would come to John Voight's, or I'm sure Dustin Hoffman would come to Jim Phelps's funeral, and then as he's walking out of the cemetery, the hearse would almost run him over, and he'd slap the hood and go, hey, I'm mourning here. That's good. Good, <laughs> good callback. Yep, good callback. Like actually, actually, Dustin Hoffman would play his father. Well, Dustin Hoffman wasn't there to see uh, Jim Phelps's funeral. He was there for all those horses that he killed on that TV show he did on HBO. Oh, yes. Right. He was there for a horse funeral. Happened to see there was another funeral. That's a timely reference, too, to a show that was only on for like two days. <laughs> like four years ago. <laughs> Gotta turn the show off. Killed too many horses. <laughs> uh, let's do some tech of the app. Uh, let's let me start randomly, Chris. I'm gonna go with you this time. Hmm, there's some good tech in this one. I mean, there's an obvious one, the gum. But uh, hmm. you can pick the obvious one. If you pick it first, yeah, I'm gonna go with you, the gum. It, it's just it, you, we have it. Yeah, it's the gum. All right, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, the gum, Julia. <laughs> Damn it, Julia. Okay. <laughs> in in honor of our podcasting roots, I'm gonna go with the headphones at Krieger. The headphones, the 
Yeah, the headphones. The headset? The headset, thank you. I'm going to go with the headset that Krieger is wearing that he is not using to communicate with Jim. <laughs> it's probably just to keep out the ambient noise because it's probably super loud. Right. So red light, green light. He missed it just- too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, that's good. Headphones. Rick, what about you? I am not going to go with a specific technology. I'm going to go with the technique. Okay. I'm going to go with making improvised suction cups <laughs> by creating divots and items and then slapping them onto surfaces. Right. Whether that be gum or hands, it's an amazing technique. DIY suction cups. Got it. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Jonathan, what about you? Uh, well, no one said it yet, so I'm just going to go with the, that wiper. It, it's a little bit dislodged, but it's hanging on. It's, it's made it. The whole movie. Tabitha, what about you? I'm going to go with Jim's goggles, because even though he's going to die, his eyes aren't dried out. It's a good thing. (laughs) And that's very important. It's important if you're going to die to have your eyes be moist. Yes, Tom's eyes look all all red red and bloodshot throughout this whole thing, because they're probably busted all his blood vessels in there. We we've had the goggles before, but I like now that they're here because they're because it is for the dryness factor. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. Red eyes. Green eyes. <laughs> Green eyes. What is he talking? That you know what that makes just as much sense as what he says. It really does. Uh, my mine's gonna be uh, a giant ball of fire. My favorite tech. It's a great the, ball the of age fire. Old tech of fire. Goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. It's Promethean. So, yeah, that's a great place. that We'll stop there tonight. There's so much going on. We'll come back tomorrow for uh, hopefully no more weird stuff's going to happen, right? It's it's over. Movie's over. Nothing else can happen that yeah, can it's possibly like a, like a horror movie. Nothing, nothing's going to happen after we've got yeah. the yeah. It's like Final Destination. <laughs> it's all logic and physics from here on yep. out. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, until tomorrow, uh, we will say goodbye to Tabitha and Jonathan and Julia and Rick and Chris and me. I've been Jonathan. I've been Chris. I've been Rick. I've been Julia. I've been Jonathan. And I've been Tabitha. This minute will self-destruct. Red light, green light. (laughs) Suction cups. Talking to my dad about Larry's list. It's right. Right now, we're about three chapters into a fanfic that my father's uh, <laughs> my father's created and did not tell me. So uh, hopefully, this week we'll see it uh, wrap up with its culmination about Claire Cohen, Claire Phelps, Jim Krieger, as he calls him. <laughs> so. Uh, welcome, Dad. Larry Howell, everybody. Thank you. I'm glad to be back for this segment, and hopefully I'll get uh, Krieger's name straight. Maybe. When we last saw uh, Claire and Krieger and Phelps, uh, they had completed six transactions on the black market, stole, uh, sold a lot of secrets for $1.2 million, and now Jim's looking for a big score. 
He's talked to his good friend Eugene Kittredge. I thought Claire was his big score. Big is one point two million. I don't think <laughs> she's not worth one point two million. Ouch. So so where were we? I I can't wait to find out where the story ends. <laughs> Phelps is back with the IMF. Yep. He's he's found that there's a uh, operation on in the queue in Prague where there's a knock list. Uh, he thinks that can be his big score, so he uh, he gets signed up for that. He well, gets hold on, hold on. You say he gets signed up for it. How would he know? About, he knew about it before he got the tape from Kittredge. No, when he was interviewing with Kittredge, Kittredge was listing some of the operations that were coming down the uh, pipeline, and he he when Kittredge mentioned the knock list, there was a lot of money involved. No, why? No, he on the plane is the first time he learns about Kittredge and the knock list and Galin, uh, and uh, and uh, Galitzin. What are you talking about? No, he learned he learned about uh, when he was interviewing with Kittredge. No, you keep going back to this thing that you're making up. That's not in the thing. There, he, 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 the IMF gives tapes to agents. Jim, hello, Mr. F- hello, Mr. Good, good morning, Mr. Phelps. Uh, this is the mission. If you don't want to, you can choose this mission. He's asking him to do this mission. This is the first time he's, is this really the first time he's hearing about it? Or is it not the first time he's hearing about it? The first time he hears about the Prague operation is on the airplane with the cassette tape. He got lucky. When he read the uh, details in the dossier, he found that there was a knock list involved, and he figured, well, this could be my big score. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He didn't have much time to prepare his uh, plan of attack, but he felt like the knock list would be a big score. So he contacted Claire and asked her to get get a hold of Krieger. Krieger. Asked her to get a hold of Krieger. He did. And Krieger and Claire found uh, on... On Claire's list? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, found on Claire's list. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I just add that to my dementia about this fan fiction I'm creating. She found the Black Arms organization, codename Max. Black Arms, isn't that Luther? <laughs> All right, we'll cut that. No. Black Arms organization, also known as BOA. We find that Claire and Krieger had, had done six transactions before the Prague operation. Uh, one of those was, was with Max of the Black Arms organization. And so uh, they felt like that, that Max might have deep enough pockets to pull off a big score, and they were right. It's funny that they, of all the people, they got Krieger. I guess because he's, again, the guy who gets you stuff. They didn't pull in, rope in anybody else. I'm, not, I'm surprised they roped in anybody. Well, I am too. I mean, but obviously, uh, Krieger was just Krieger. <laughs> Krieger was just as angry uh, at the IMF because he was disavowed. And so he had been doing a lot of black market stuff on his own before. And so he was very, very uh, qualified, very into this whole project. I, I know our listeners are going to want to know this. Did Jim set up a trap on the top of the elevator that killed star of the movie Emilio Estevez? Or did he use something that was part of the elevator, short it out so that it opened up and, and uh, Tony Barretta was impaled on that? That's the most important question of the, all these bits. In Prague, uh, they did not have Otis elevator systems. They had a uh, kind of a lowest bidder elevator system system. A Lotus. An Otis. Otis elevators. Right, the Lotus. This is the low bidder. Yes. uh, They did not have, in Prague, they did not have the Otis elevator company. They had the Lotus elevator company for lowest bidders. Like lowest, lowest common denominator. Lowest. Lowest common denominator. Yes, that's what they had. And so this particular elevator actually had that default in it because they had failed to finish off some of the mechanics at the top of the elevator. Phelps just got lucky again. He did not uh, he did not make those knives in the elevator. The, those are but you're sa- what you're saying here now 
unpromote, unprovoked by me is that those are part of the natural elevator and not a trap that he set earlier at some other time. That's true. He didn't have time to set that. He just got lucky again. Thanks, Dad. See, everybody? I told you. Lotus. Lowest bidder. Operators. So. All right. So they do the, they do the, they do the deed. They kill the team. And what? Well, before that, uh, Jim Jim's staying in the Drake Hotel in Chicago, and he steals the Gideon Bible. And the reason he does it is it makes him smile that he's getting away with this whole Job metaphor when it's really Jim on Jim's on board. Well, what well, the reason why he was really happy was because he was there when it was written, and it just always reminds him of all of his friends: Paul, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> what a great IMF team they would have been, right? Oh yeah, except for Judas. Well, Judas would have been a pretty good guy uh, to do some of the dirty deeds uh, that the IMF force would have uh, needed done. Krieger is the Judas of this team. Hey, that's good. Good point, Krieger. Hmm. So obviously, what happens is uh, when when uh, when Jim dies, and I'm showing quote marks in the air here. Yes, thank you. It's a visual medium. Right. Uh, when Krieger, when uh, Jim dies. Then Ethan takes over, and, and you all have talked about in previous minutes, minutes over and over again about how he butchers the Internet. So I'm going to leave you with the thought that uh, Jim Phelps, disguised with Claire's help, disguised his email address, got away with all kinds of communications, and they would not have found out about him had he not stolen the, the, the Gideon Bible from the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Well, yeah. We know that. Well, I was just. This is. I'm bringing my stuff. But you're saying that you're saying. So you're saying the Drake Hotel was his own hubris, was his own cockiness. He was like, "Ah, I'm so clever. I came up with this other thing." Yes, and he was so clever that when he put the Bible, he put the Gideon Bible front and center on the book rack. So when he set it his computer system, he could see it, and when he looked at it, it made him smile, and feel like he's really clever and gotten away with something. Well, this is all. Incredible conjecture, but since nothing else supports this, I'm going with it because it's actually not that bad. Of all the answers for this, at least it gives some background to why Jim is the way he is and why he picked this email address. So, Dad, thank you so much for doing this. And just remember. Oh, God, he's not done. And just remember, Claire Cohen, a.k.a. Claire Phelps, a.k.a. Claire Lamp, had a much bigger role in the 1996 Mission Impossible movie than than any other minutes have given her credit for. Okay. And thus concludes the rise and fall of Claire Cohen. Stay tuned for next week, our final week, where my father, Larry Howell, will have an entire list of things, of, of uh, hot takes. My father will have a list of corrections. Until next week. I've been Larry. I've been Jonathan. And I've been Grandy. And I've been, I'm Tommy Paramount. I'll see you guys later. I'm Gober Pyle. And this tape will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one, shabam! Why are you yelling into the microphone? Shazam! Wow, that's a timely reference. (laughs) 